Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I've had this on my heart for some time now, probably getting close to two months, and I saved it. I knew that I wanted to preach it um, today because I just want it to be, I'm just going to remind us of something we all know. This is not going to be some earth-shattering revelation to us. But as much as it will be a stirring to just to really obey that, that which we already know. And so um, I, I feel like it's a focus that the Lord um, has me on personally. And that's going to be a focus uh, that we have as a church body and family. And so Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, you there? You there? All right. You're not going to scare me by saying amen. I actually need it today because I stayed up. You know, I like to go to bed, to be honest with you. I'm, I mean, I live like an old man. I like to be in the bed by 9, 30, 10. And uh, John Bentley likes to be in the bed at 8, 30. <laughs> so, uh, but he's an early riser. And, um, but so we stayed up to see the new year come in and just tired. How many is tired? Am I the only one? Y'all all just energetic, ready to go. Well, I'm going to preach like that then. I feel your energy coming right now, your strength. So God, I pray today that you would anoint me. I'm glad you love me. You're excited about me. I'm glad my picture's in your wallet. And I just, I'm, just, I'm just glad I'm hanging on your refrigerator this morning. And Lord, anoint me to preach good this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not going to pray I preach bad, I can tell you that. 2 Timothy chapter 4, you there? If you ain't found it by now, just trust I'll read it to you. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And this is Paul's instruction to Timothy. When, think about this, that Paul is about to lose his life. He's about to, he's about to go on Nero's chopping block. And Timothy's uh, young pastor, he's discouraged. Man, these are just marvelous writings to Timothy, Titus, Paul's instruction to them. And so he's, he's writing to encourage his young pastor. And he's right, this, is his final, this is his final words to his spiritual son. And he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom preach the word look at this be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, look at this, and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. This morning I want to talk to you just for a brief moment on doing the work of an evangelist. This has really been on my heart the last two months that Paul's instructing Timothy. He's telling him about how the house of God is to be run. Um, he, he's telling him, don't you know that... Um, to, to be instant in season to preach the word. How I many knows this junior can testify to this? Hey, sometimes we get up on Sunday morning and to be honest, we just ain't set ablaze to feel like preaching the gospel. But the Bible says to be instant what? In season and out of season. There's instant in season and out of season. And he's telling him to, to really, that I want you to, in all the church, don't forget this, to obey your passion. And to do the work of an evangelist. How many knows that, that um, we all have different giftings? And according to Ephesians 4 verse 11. Thank you guys right there. I wanted you to play right at, at the end for me. Um, but in Ephesians 4 verse 11. There's, there's, it says that Christ uh, ascend, yeah, he descended. And that when he ascended uh, back into heaven. He divided himself. These are gifts of Christ. Not gifts of the Holy Spirit. That he divided into himself where we get the teaching of the fivefold ministry. That he gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. So when Paul's instructing Timothy, I don't think that Paul is saying that, you know, I believe that you're called to be an evangelist. But he's telling him to do the work 
uh, of an evangelist. It doesn't matter what our gifting is, if you will. We all have a cause in this room. And that is to tell the testimony of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist and sharing our faith in this room. Will you help me? I know I'm going to get one. I told Mr. Billy I might get him to pray at the end. I knew he was going to help me this morning. But he, he, he is uh, more, way more evangelistic than I am. He carries a burden for the lost. And um, how many knows this, that the days are not getting longer, but they're getting shorter, if you will. Come on now. And the Bible says that broad is the way to destruction, and many's on that path. How are they going to get off of that path unless you and I have a burning word from the Lord Jesus Christ of his goodness that we preach the gospel to them and share our faith. All right. So he's telling him to do the work of an evangelist. I'm, I'm just going through the fivefold. Each has their different grace, and I'm not going to, you could preach that we need to preach a whole series just on the fivefold. But each one carries a grace, and how we honor that gift determines if that grace comes upon our life. We receive it. Now we know that you, you've heard me tell the story of, of the car wreck scene uh, as, as an ambulance driver that if each one of these giftings was in that ambulance, they would handle that car wreck scene totally different. All right, so um, if an apostle pulled up there, uh, pulled up there. He he's like a general. He's like the general contractor. There, God has given him. Paul said he's a master builder, if you will. So he he's like the general contractor. He's got he's got the blueprint within him. He he covers the whole job site. As a general contractor, you know what's going on with the sheetrock. You know what's going on with the roof. You know what's going on with the foundation. You kind of oversee the whole job. Now, as a, as a prophet, the prophet, if he was driving that uh, vehicle, he would have got out and said, listen, I knew this last week this was going to happen. The prophet has the ability to see and hear, or if you will. Now, if, a, if an evangelist was driving that ambulance, he would act different than any other of the fivefold gifted. He would be concerned about the person laying in the street, but he probably, he might not even tend to the person laying in the street. He would go straight to the crowd and he would tell the crowd this. Listen, if this was you today, if you were run over in this street, do you know where you would spend eternity? Listen, that it is possible for us to just come in here and enjoy good worship and enjoy good preaching and get fat and saturated on the word that we're getting and forget all about outside the walls of this church that many's in Walmart this morning hurting in need of a God that you and I serve, in need of a knowledge that you and I have that, hey, that God is a mountain-moving God and what you're going through, he can take you through. Hello, many setting out at the lake this morning. Many is hung over. Come on, somebody. And they need the knowledge that you and I have. And how will they ever know it unless you and I share it? I'm going to holler a little bit, okay? If you're new here, I'll holler. Teachers tell it, preachers yell it. So Paul is telling Timothy, listen, without this gift at work in the church, we will become stagnant in no growth. We'll become inbred. But if all we have is evangelism, we will have a room full of infants that have not been raised and trained up on how to do the work of ministry. But each point, we've got to have a grace from each one. If you have a diet of solid ice cream, you cannot live long. All right. So let's move on right here. All right. In Acts chapter 8, let's look at this. In Acts chapter 8. I'll tell you what, could I get you to help me set this down? The reason why we set it down and we set it up is, number one, we need exercise. But the other thing is, is we got to get a monitor hanging off that back right there because if you preach from up there and you holler like I do, you can't hear yourself. You blow your vocal cords out. So right here gives me the ability to hear, and then I'm not just screaming and blowing your eardrums out, okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 8. First of all, in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, the Bible calls Philip an evangelist. How many knows that Philip was, was one of the ones chosen in Acts chapter 6? You remember in Acts chapter 6, 
they had a problem with the widows that wasn't being cared for in the church. And Peter said, listen, it's not right for us. We, we can't leave the golf course. We're the senior leaders. Now I'm cutting up with you. It's not right for us, the senior leaders, uh, or for us to leave the ministry of the word. That is the, that is the job of the senior pastor, to be in the ministry of the word and in prayer that he can feed the sheep. Are you with me? And now, but it also, if, if, if you, but also what it does is it allows the other giftings to rise to the top. And so they choose these men. They had to be what? Full of faith and full of what? The Holy Ghost. And so they choose them and one, Stephen was one chosen. Remember, he preached his first sermon and got killed preaching his first sermon. And Philip was also one that was chosen and the Bible calls him in Acts 21 verse 8 that he was an evangelist. So let's look at this in Acts chapter 8. Uh, around uh, verse 4. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. It says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. Listen, we don't have to tell the lost about our denomination. We don't have to tell them about how good our church is. This is where we, see, we try to tell them how good our church is, how good our worship is, how good our preacher is. And we don't need to tell them how bad their life is. They already know that. We just got to preach Christ to them. It goes like this. Hey, my name is John. Listen, I want to tell you, I was one jacked up joker. And on February the 2nd of 1998, the love of God filled my bedroom and changed my life. Listen, many said many were waiting on me to fall. I had people say, well, let's give him two weeks and see if he got it. Listen, if you ever meet the real Jesus, friend, hear me. If you ever taste and see, Psalms 34 and 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you taste the church, you might can fall out. But if you ever taste of the Lord Jesus. There'll be times in your life where you're running. There may be times in your life where you're standing still. Feel like you holding on by dental floss, but you will never let go of that, friend. Hello, can I get a witness in here? So Philip preaches Christ. Look at this. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing, this is another thing, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Philip didn't just have a message. He had a life to back up the message. I can't, come on somebody. Listen, he didn't just have a message. He could demonstrate the message in which he lived. Boy, they so much right here. For unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame and healed. And there was great joy in that city. Listen, there will be great joy in this city if we preach Christ in this city. Now, you would think, God, leave this man right here, right? I mean, he's preaching a revival, brother. He's run the revival where the paralyzes. How, how many know you in a move of God when paraplegics are getting up? Come on now, this is what it says. Paralyzed people are walking. Now the heart of God is this. He takes this man, there's a man on the back side of the desert, a eunuch. Let's just read it because we got to read it because I, I know it's been Christmas now. We ain't been reading the Bible so I'm going to help us read it right here. Look at this. Um, now the verse 26, now the angel of the Lord uh, spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. This is a desert. So he arose and went down and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, a queen of Ethiopians, who had a charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and, and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shearer is silent. He opened not his mouth. In, hu in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And he and who will endure his, uh, this, his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, whom does the prophet say this of himself or of some other man then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him now as they went to the road they came to some water and, and the eunuch said see here is water what hinders me from being baptized then Philip said if you believe with all your heart 
that you, you made? And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is the only requirement of salvation. Come on now. Not telling people how many sins you've done. We try to take people down the Romans road and make them feel like dirt. I know that godly sorrow leads to repentance. But the Bible said there's no prayer in the book of Acts where they led them that way. No prayer in the book of Acts where it says run up to the preacher while we sing I surrender all and repeat the prayer. Some people repeat the prayer, but it's not going on in their heart. I have been preaching the gospel before and seen the light bulb come on. I seen this happen one night where, where a guy that I was friends with, or whatever, from high school, I was preaching, and I seen him on Easter Sunday morning. Remember that? And I just seen the light bulb go off, and, and I mean, instantly he was changed. What happened? He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, that's, Thou shalt be saved. Think about this. God, listen, when we read this story, we think, well, that's Philip. Listen, no, this is Mary. This is Dusty. This is Clay. In your daily life, when the Bible says, as you go, listen, in Matthew 10, he said, as you go, as you go about your daily life, preach the gospel. I believe the Spirit is constantly saying, John, would you go to aisle three at Walmart? Listen, I have an encounter waiting on you there. Someone needs to know about the gospel. We see this on Father of Lights in these different movies that Darren Wilson is doing in the Muslim countries. They got intercessors that are praying and they go and sit near the mosque. <clears throat> these Muslims are coming up and as they go to the, towards the mosque, these, these men of God are there and they sit there and they said. We had a dream last night of the man in the white robe. Who is this man in the white robe? The man you saw in your dream in the white robe? That is the Lord Jesus Christ, friend. Let me tell you about And the Muslims are getting saved by the hundreds and the thousands. Why? Because the man in the white robe longs to have a relationship with us. Amen. I'm not preaching like I'm tired. Hello. Matthew 18. Look at this. Matthew chapter 18. <coughs> Verse 10. Take heed that you despise that you do that take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that is that in heaven their, um, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What does Jesus came for? All right. What do you think? If a man who has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one who is, that is straying? And if he should find it, uh, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over the sheep that, that 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 over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I feel like this year, especially in this first quarter, what we have got to focus on in this church is leaving the ninety-nine, stepping away from the crowd to go after the one. Here's the problem we have. We, we, we try to win a great multitude. I don't want us to focus on trying to win a great multitude. Let's focus on winning one. Come on, somebody. I said, let's focus on winning one. We got enough people in. Sometimes our family's the hardest one to minister to. Come on, somebody. Let's be honest. I got an uncle. We was in a fishing boat. And, um, you know, and he's got some crazy beliefs. We talk, he said, I just believe we just like, he said, I honestly believe it's just like, we just like them coon dogs. <laughs> we just like those coon dogs I got. He said, we, when we gone, we gone. I said, friend, that ain't true. What we're doing right now, what we are doing right now with our lives, this is training for the reigning that we're going to do in the millennium, in, in, in eternity. It is not like the song said, a little cabin in glory. That's not what it says. I'm, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. That word mansions is dimensions and levels and heavens. 
Huh? Let it rain. So, the, so listen, we get caught up in trying to focus on winning a whole entire city. Let's just focus on one. So let's just start praying, God, show me one person that you want me to reach, that you intend to meet for me to reach. Now, here's, this is, now don't, don't hound them every day. Don't come and say, man, I know you ain't living right. Tuesday, I know you ain't living right. Man, look how wicked you are. That is not going to win them. What we have to do is we have to learn how to model life in front of them. When discouragement comes, we watch our mouth and we don't speak death over our own lives and them too. Come on, somebody. We walk in the joy of the Lord. This is something I gotta work on. Remember in Psalms 51, David said what? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. It is, it is so easy to lose. The, how many members the passion that we once had for God? Come on now. How many members when you first got saved, the joy that you walked in then? He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then I will show transgressors your ways. Listen, one key way that we can affect the witness is ask God to restore the joy of our salvation. Salvation. You get excited about it. If you ain't excited about it, how you gonna sell me on it? Another thing we can't do is wait for the evangelist to come in and get the harvest. The evangelist's job is not come in and win the harvest inside the church. The evangelist's job, according to fivefold gifting, is to come in and equip the church to do evangelism. They come in and preach the gospel like I'm doing, operating as an evangelist this morning. What? To inflame our heart to look outside the walls of the church. We build our churches with stained glass windows where we can't see the pain outside the walls of the church. But listen, outside in the real world, come on somebody, people are struggling and hurting and they need the knowledge that you have. Jesus said listen I will leave the crowd to go after the one you remember in Matthew chapter 10 let, let me just read this this is this this right here this was this is on the internet if it's on the internet it's true this is one of the leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention it says the Southern Baptist Convention indicate baptism rates have been declining for years. Last year in 2015, 25% of churches reported baptizing no one. Listen to me, friend. I'm telling you as a pastor of this church, I'm proud of the growth that we've made. I'm proud of the new scenery that we've got in this building. But what determines whether we're in a move of God, listen, and the glory of God's in this room is that baptism tank's being used. Listen, it ain't convert, it ain't baptizing us because we're doing a rededication or a renewal in our life. It's baptizing converts. Come on. Most of the church growth in, in our community, let's be honest, it's because we got ticked off at this church and we moved to this church. Listen, but there's plenty of fish to be caught in this town. There's over 17,000 people in this county and I dare say 10,000 of them is not in the house of God this morning. There is plenty of fish to be caught in this community. Hello? We gotta burn for our community before we can ever burn for the nations. All right. Last year, 25% reported baptizing no one. That means we went a whole year. We kind of like the disciples. Remember when Jesus asked them to have they caught any fish? No, but we got the latest boat. Look at the boat we riding in. We got a range of Comanche. The best depth finders, two aerated live wells, the latest, the latest electronics, the flashiest looking colors, but we can't catch fish. It don't matter what kind of boat you got if you can't catch fish. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. I don't care if you're riding in a canoe, friend. If you can catch fish, I'll get out the bass boat and get in the canoe with you and we'll pray. It'll hold me up. Come on, somebody. But we need to catch fish. When Jesus called the 12, he didn't say go be good preachers. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Hello, what are we doing in the house of God? Are we just celebrating the goodness of Jesus? Or are we fishing for men? Gosh, I'm preaching or hollering. No, we've not caught any fish. We've toiled all night. We wore out now. Oh, we just come off a three-day revival. We wore out Jesus. He said, nevertheless, 
at your word. We're going to go out and toll one more time. Listen, this is the key. Doing it at his word. If we do stuff to just do it, we're going to get exhausted. We do it at his word. What is this? That means we got to teach believers how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to hear the voice and open his mouth when he says open his mouth. And you know, a lot of times I used to pray for these serious words. I'm like, God, I'm tired of giving out Barney words. I love you, you love me. Them Barney prophecies. I remember coming outside of, and, and those that, I don't know what it is, but behind the pulpit, I'm bold as a line. But if you know me personally, um, you set me in a crowd of about five, ten people, and I'll cut up with the ones I'm real close with. But other than that, I don't say nothing. So I'm pretty much how I shop at Walmart. My head's down, I'm on a mission. I'm going to get the milk and bread, and that's it. Leave out of there. Now, I, lo- I wish that like Todd White, you know what Todd White says on evangelism? He said, you go stand in the handicapped parking place. You say you're anointed. Help me right here, Lee. It's trying to ring a little bit. He said, if you say you're anointed, then you go stand in the handicapped spot and you wait on somebody to get there. Now, we don't want to do that. We want to say, oh, Lord. God, help us right here. Father, help us. Help him not preach that long. I'm hungry today. Lord, he knows it's New Year's Day. We got to go eat the black-eyed peas and the greens for prosperity. I'm going to help you out right here. Your prosperity is going to be turned on what you sow. I'll get off me now. (laughs) <laughs> Let me get back. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Spurgeon. No, hold on. 80% reported only baptizing one young person. 80%. I was preaching one night a revival in, um, in this town, a Pentecostal church in this town, large denomination. And they called me down there to do a revival in and I'm preaching like a wild man like I do and I jumped up I was a whole lot thinner then I could actually get a little bit of air I jumped up preaching and jumped in the baptistry remember that and I remember when I jumped in the baptistry at the rust and you could tell that it had not been used in a long time and I started prophesying into that baptistry and I started declaring Father let there be souls saved listen this is the heart of God friend I'm telling you right now That's on the heart of God right now. The Bible says that the angels rejoice over one lost person more than the 99, listen to this, that need no repentance. Did you just hear what I read to you? According to Luke 15, that 99% of the church needs no repentance. Boy, that am I in the book? 99% of the people living in the kingdom Need no repentance. But yet, preachers all across America try to tell, we got to repent for everything. No, it's in, I better get off of that. See, I opened up just enough to be dangerous, right? Spurgeon, oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. Listen, you don't have a secular job. Why did you, you, people, I've had people, pastors, why did Jesus give me this job? These people are heathens. Why? Because you are to be the salt of the earth and bring flavor to that job. If you won't laugh and cut up at the dirty jokes, they'll realize you're different. Come on, I can't get no help in here. If you won't cuss with them, they'll realize something's different on your life. Huh? We're to be the light of the world. But think about it. We Christians want to hang out with who? Christians. Think about it. I love to fish. Think about it. I go hook up to my boat this evening. Pull it out of the garage. Got the latest tackle. I got tackle. We can't hardly catch nothing, but I got enough tackle. Look like Bass Pro on there. Yeah, I got a bait for everything. The rod's in the rod holder, ready to go. Now, you got a pond. 
nice boat ramp. Pastor, I want you to go out there and I want you to go come fish in this pond. But here's one thing. There's absolutely no fish in it. What fool, I'm sorry, Jesus said don't call a brother a fool, be danger of hellfire, forgive me Jesus. Is going to back his boat in there when he knows there's no fish. If all, if, if all that we are doing is hanging out with Christians, how are we ever going to catch a fish? You got to go where the fish are. And then we see people like, um, gosh, his name just, um, that got us out in Venice Beach on there, uh, blonde-headed guy, looked like an 80s rocker. Man, I know him just, he was with Paul Keith Davis. Doug Addison, thank you. We see people like Doug Addison and his wife, Venice Beach, going into the clubs. And half the church, listen, 90% of the church will tear him up on social media. What kind of heathen would be going to a club? Well, he's not going in there to have a drink. He's going to catch the lost. This is what he does. Hey, you, how you doing? I just want, hey, I see you got a, man, that's a nice tattoo right there. You know, I can, I, can, I can tell you what tattoos mean. You had any dreams lately? And you see these people with that glass of liquor in their hand, and he starts prophesying their destiny. And then you see them all of a sudden. What, do, what does 1 Corinthians 14 say that the gift of prophecy is for? When an unbeliever, am I in the book? When an unbeliever comes into your midst and the, and the, and the secrets of their hearts revealed, we the church have thought that, that was revealed playboys underneath the mattresses and all our sin. No, the secrets, the destiny that he has in your heart when before you ever entered the earth. He's... Those words start calling forth that back what you were destined to operate in and to walk in in your season on this earth. It says this, that they are convinced by all that God is in our midst. Let me just say this while we're, while we're just out there on a limb. This is before, this is right the time he got to California. This is where, before he was ever really big time. Sean Bolts, he was still single at this time, 30 years of age, was invited by Hugh Hefner to come to the Playboy Mansion for a party. Now the reason why we probably never going to get that invite is because we couldn't handle Father's business in that environment. Come on now. It's quiet up in here. Well, we put this on, on the podcast. They, they call it. I'm telling you, they'll write us a good review. She calls Pastor Bill. Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs around chapter 21, it says, when you set before kings, consider, the delic consider their delicacies. And it says, he told Solomon, he said, put a knife to your throat. Don't touch it. What is that saying? That means that you know how to curve your own appetite. You got a knife to it. When God brings you before the banker, don't consider what's before you, what you could get for yourself. Come on, somebody. Have a knife to your throat. So he calls Pastor Bill. I've been invited to go to the Playboy. How many know God loves Hugh Hefner? Huh? And, the, and he's not like he's 40 years old. So Sean calls Pastor Bill. Oh my God, I got, I got to tell him that I've been invited to the Playboy Mansion. Pastor Bill said, mm. <laughs> He said, you feel like God's telling you to go? You know, yeah, God's telling me to go. <laughs> he opened the door. Now I can see me going home telling Catherine, God opened the door. He ain't opened that door. That was the devil. Close it right now. Get in there and pray. You wicked servant. 
But I remember crying and weeping over this podcast. I heard it. This is, this is a long time ago. And Pastor Bill said, here's a 30-year-old man that has never seen a pornographic image in his life. He put a knife to his throat. And God sought through the earth for a man he could trust to send in that environment to be about his business. And he goes right in there and he's prophesying and calling out their destiny. Was he going in there? Did he get up in there and get up on a stump and say, you whoremongers of Babylon? No, he went in there with the goodness of God, reminding them of their destiny. After Jesus, after Jesus has this encounter at the well, listen to me. You got to go back to Matthew 10. He told them when he was commissioning the disciples, he said, do not enter into any city of Samaria. And in John 4, we read where Jesus is, see, Jesus was all five. He was the evangelist, the pastor. He was the evangelist in John 4 with the woman at the well. He was the pastor, the good shepherd in John 10. He was the apostle raising the dead in, in John 11 with Lazarus. Are you with me? He was the prophet with Nathaniel saying, before you was in John 1, I saw you underneath the fig tree. And Nathaniel, he told, Nathaniel said, whoa, I perceive that thou art a prophet. He said, marvel not at that, for you shall see greater signs than this in the days to come, for you shall see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus became the fulfillment of Genesis 28, Jacob's vision. He was the ladder that was set on the earth for us to get back to heaven. Come on now. He was the divine teacher in John chapter 3 when he began to teach Nicodemus that a man must be born of water and of spirit to enter into the kingdom. He's all five. Now, as Jesus is making his journey in John 4, he looks at the ones he's teaching and says, hey, I must needs to go through Samaria. He told us not to go through Samaria. Now he's going to Samaria. Why? Because there's a woman that's had five husbands and she's shacked up with one right now and I'm going to have an encounter with her at the well. And he tells this woman, listen, the water that you're going down for, you got to come back tomorrow. She ain't always been pretty. I have laid across the bed with one foot on the floor said, God, if you'll make the room stop spinning, I won't do this tomorrow. Only to find myself tomorrow and the next night the same way with my legs hanging off the bed saying, God, if you can stop the room. Come on, somebody. But finally, I found some water. Come on now. The person that is down in that Budweiser taking that lore set, whatever else, looking at that porn, they're, they're searching for something only God can feel. They're looking for the due north, the compass of their life. The Bible says Jesus is the desire of all nations. They just don't know it. And one of the things that tears them up is their view of church. Because when they come to church, oh my God. This is why we come up with these sayings in the South. I pray the roof don't fall down. Y'all ever heard that? That's why we got this one but still in the top. <laughs> we can handle some pretty rough ones. Now, Sela takes and all be nervous. But this lady, their, their perception of church on a Wednesday night. We know this guy, he's a, man, he, he's a terrific guy, but he's struggled with addiction most of his life. I'm talking about just, we'll get out there. And so on a Wednesday night, he shows up at this church. He has no shirt, he's barefooted, and he slings the doors to the sanctuary open. Remember that man? And this is what he does. He points at the church. He said, listen, if you playing around, <laughs> you backslid Christian, don't come down here to the front. I need some real Jesus people to lay hands on me tonight to get me set free. <laughs> you know what happened? That church is scared to death. Now, now think about it. That church was called to fish and a fish jumped in the boat. 
and they tried to throw it back out the boat. They said, scared it. What we do? Pray for him. Man, I'm on my Lord Jesus. We got a long ways to go. Listen, Jesus said after they came back, after they came back to the well, Jesus, they marveled that Jesus carried on this conversation with the woman. And they had, remember the disciples had went to go get food. So they come back, they had brought Jesus a sandwich. And they asked him, he said he, said, he, said he wasn't hungry. They said, well, did somebody bring him to eat? And Jesus said, what? He said, I have meat that you know not of. And my meat is to do what? The will of the Father. We remember growing up in church, man, they preaching the meat tonight. What is the meat? The meat is when you can do the will of God. And he says, listen, he says, you say four months unto harvest, but I'm telling you, lift up your eyes. The harvest is nigh now. Listen, Cornerstone, we got to lift up our eyes. The harvest is nigh now. Did you hear what I said? I said, we've got to lift our eyes beyond this property and look outside the walls of this church. The harvest is nigh. You know that 156 million people, according to Barna Research, is not in church in America? There's only about 370 people living in the United States. That's about 46%, 43 to 46% of America is unchurched. Why don't they want to come to our church? A lot of it is preconceived ideas. What's going to happen? In most churches, they got if you can follow the rules, you can stay in church. No, man, I'm, I, I, Lord, I'm, this is a whole series right here, and I got a long ways to go. We got, if you come in, listen. If you can clean your life up enough to come in here and hang out with us, pay your dues, which is your tithes. I'm for tithing. Come on. How about this? Why don't we just invite them to come love God, worship God like wild people in this room and allow God to do what he wants to do with them? Come on. Listen, it's not anybody's job in this room to clean anybody else's life up. It's your job to worship God and model life. It's the Holy Spirit's job to clean the fish we catch. Our job is just keep the lure in the water. All right. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. I'm almost done. I'm fixing to bring the plane in. Put your seatbelt on. I can't find a book of Romans. Don't tell nobody that. All right. I was back there looking between Zeph and I. Romans chapter 10. You there? Come on. We got a few more minutes here. I got to preach an hour, but I ain't going over an hour. They said I wasn't getting a pay raise in 2017. I was thinking what we got. <laughs> I'm cutting up. <laughs> hey, Lord. Romans 10, you there? Let's look at this. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that it may be saved. Listen, the number one prayer we should pray over our community is, God, we pray for the wells of salvation open. The wells of salvation to be open in this community. Do you, I, I, I totally believe, listen, I don't believe that going to church in this community is the answer. I believe that salvation is the answer. If I get a dad saved, I just got a whole, I just, I'm telling you, I just, I just, I just changed the whole family. If I change a whole family, I can change a community. Do you, you believe that? When we pray for, listen, it's one thing for mama to get saved. Mama's more happy to go to church. It's the men that we struggle with. Because men think, well, I'm not coming down there to your church because you're going to take everything away from me. You'll take my beer and football, so I'm not going down there to church. What I say is, come in, let us model life. 
I remember when I was a young, uh, probably 18, 19 years old, I was up in Asheville, North Carolina at this conference. And there was this guy that had um, two degrees from two different universities, and he was homeless. And I thought, how can that happen? Severe tragedy hit his family. His mom and dad got killed in a car wreck, and then he lost a brother, I think, of cancer. And he left uh, from Chicago, Illinois, in his car, wound up in Atlanta, Georgia, broke on the streets, hooked on crack. And I remember hearing this man stand up at this conference, and uh, the guy that was leading the conference, his name was Pastor Bruce, runs a, runs a homeless deal uh, right, right downtown. And um, he, said, he said, listen, he said, I never got off crack because Pastor Bruce told me I had to quit doing crack. He just modeled a life and showed me that I could live without it. Did you hear what I said? All right, let's look at Romans 10. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that it may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Who will descend into the abyss. And that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek for the same um, Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved do we all believe that in this room I'm going to focus you right here on this verse of scripture in verse 14 how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher It's not my job to go out here and just win the lost. That is, I mean, and I think a lot of times, especially in the South, it's ingrained in us that, man, we pay the preacher to go out here and do this. That is the exact opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible says that I am God's gift to you. Do you know that? I am God's gift to you. That's how much he loves you, that he would allow me to be your gift. And my job and my gifting is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. In turn, where we take what we hear and we become doers of what we hear and we have it activated in our life. Now I've said this before in here. We, as far as those of us in the Cornerstone family, has had the richest word in the history of this county preached in this house. Look at the top name ministries if you want to call heavy hitters that's been through here. Look at the men that have labored in this soil. We have got to become doers and activate what we already know to do. The greatest testimony that you have is what God has done in you. Now you can tell Junior's story or my story or Steve's story, but your story has the life on it. There's people that's in your lane that I could never reach, but you can reach them. We have to pray, God, open our eyes. What, what am I here for? Have you ever wondered, let me just say this. Have you ever said at the end of the year and thought, man, we said this this morning. How many believe that 2016 went by quick? I mean, and I remember sitting in, I remember sitting in high school thinking, if I could ever get out of here, man, I, this is what's wrong with my life. I'm, I got to get out of here. Now I'm saying, can I ever get back there? Daddy paid for everything. Daddy, I need $20. We're going to movies tonight. <laughs> now daddy ain't here with his billfold. I'm in the real world. Mortgage in the SUV. 
But what I'm saying is, listen, if we, if we, don't, if we don't get what I'm saying this morning, we're going to sit here at 2018 wondering what's going on with our community. Why? We're not being activated in it. We want to see businesses come in. We got to pray for them. Come on. We got to get down there and pour some oil out and prophesy. I don't want to, I just don't want a Zaxby's. I want to ride through a whole brand new 37 down there. Does anybody else? You want to see cobblestone streets or something? Go down there and prophesy. Pray, get involved. We got to do something. We can't point the fingers at the rough section of town saying, look how bad they are. We got to get out there in it. There, there was this, uh, I wish I could find them. I'm telling you, there was a set of CDs I had called The Violet Take It By Force by R.W. Shambach. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? Miss Audrey, you know R.W. You sat on TBN black suit with, with uh, solid, white, uh, solid white tube socks up right there with Velcro shoes, throwing it down. He said he went to um, uh, Massachusetts. And, uh, and he was up there uh, uh, in Boston preaching and said the cops come out there and he was setting up his tent. Said the cop come out there and he said, oh my God, preacher, you, you cannot preach here. This is the roughest section of town. We, can't even, we won't even protect you an hour before sundown. We get all the cops out of here. That's how bad it is. He said, glory to God, I'll put the tent up in the right spot. He said he preached for two weeks casting out devils in that section of the city. Listen, we can't just point the finger at the lost. We can't keep pointing the finger about how bad the sin of homosexuality is. We're never going to get their ear until we show love. My God, I can't get no help in here. I'm done right here with y'all. Come right here and throw me some jams on because I got, I got, we're going to pray over these people this morning. That, listen, and what I'm saying is, is you, you guys have got to help me pray. God, give us the wisdom. God, give us, give us key strategy, the counsel. You understand this? Listen, that half the church got up, didn't it? <laughs> Y'all had to do it in uh, stages. Listen. How many knows the Bible says in Isaiah that he shall be wonderful counselor, mighty God? Listen, if we want the might, we got to have the counsel. Counsel precedes might. That's good. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. So what I'm saying is, I think that, let me ask you this. How many people were won by a track? Raise your hands. You were won to Jesus by a track. I heard last night Amanda say that she was born again saved watching the power team on TBN. How many remembers that? I used to be on the power team. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for me. I'm telling you, you know, remember the power team going there and being rebar and all that? Yeah, we did that all over the place. Now help me, Jesus. <laughs> all right. Let me say, how many people were born again because somebody came by your house and handed you a track? Anybody? How many people were born again? Because you knew somebody who was fired up about their faith in Jesus Christ and invited you to church. Look at that. You see, my responsibility is to tote the flame, friend. That means we got to stoke the wood. We go through, you know, like, like everybody, as a, as, a, as a preacher, you really can't never put it in neutral. Junior knows what I'm talking about. I mean, Wednesday's coming. If you're going to have a bad day, it better be Monday. Tuesday, you repent, get it all right with God. Wednesday, you better get back to work. Saturday night, you better have it. I mean, I'm just telling you, you got to have it. You better have the thought. If not on Sunday morning, I'm, I'm in panic mode. I mean, I'm pulling carpet up, hardwood, whatever we got. But, you know, you go through the holiday seasons like we did in... in you know, I was talking with someone about for church. You just feel disconnected. You feel like, oh man, I just feel like the fire's gone. Catherine was talking about it last night. She says it's gonna take months to get the fire back going. And I said, you know what? I said we're just one second away from getting really wet on the presence of God. When Tara was telling us to steadfast that soul, that rain was falling. 
I can tell you what was taking months was taking seconds in the presence of God. Bringing us right back to the due north. You know what a lot of that is too? A lot of that's religion telling us on the inside that we can't take a break. I used to, I used to, I used to have a, my passion in the early days because I used to love to hunt and I still love to hunt. But I really loved to hunt. Boy, when McKenna and I first got married, I could live in the woods. And she said, I don't understand how you can hunt every day. I said, because I don't know when he's coming, but I'm going to be there. And she was standing up and, uh, and you know, and the priest told me, I, well, I, I remember because I gave up like, uh, like hunting this whole day or something. I opened day, gave it to the Lord. And she said, I'm just glad that, you know, you love God more than you love that hunt. You know what? That was religion trying to be, listen, God loved me. And I, hey, I, let me tell you something. I was praying and seeking God in that, in that tree when it was breaking daylight when they were still in the bed. And then I, got, I started learning that God loves to hang out with me in the deer woods. He loves to hang out with me in the fishing boat. When I'm setting the hook, coming through them lily pads in tongues, praying, God, she cool, gets bring him in. Huh? Now listen to this. In Luke chapter 15, there's a story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all teaches this one thing, that the father's diligently seeking that lost one. The lost coin says she will get up and she will sweep the house, every cranny, every crack, to search for the lost one. And it says this, that all of heaven rejoices over the one sinner more than than the 99 who need no repentance. What makes heaven smile? When we worship, I'm sure. But let me tell you when the angels start throwing down. When the gospel's presented and someone says, you know what? I'm giving my life for that right there. That's when heaven stands up. Now here's the deal. I don't know how to win 17,000 people and we probably don't have to win that many. Because I would probably say out of the 17,000 people, let's give it, I'm going to probably give it a high number in this community. I'm going to say probably at least 7,500 is born again, passionately pursuing the kingdom. Probably 3,000 in there is about lukewarm. And give it the rest, we probably got about 7,000 to win. Huh? I guarantee you there's a house straight in front just to the right of our sign that needs salvation. And we in here throwing down every Sunday. And we ride by them getting to the church. Are you with me? What am I saying that this morning? I'm not saying that to beat you up or beat me up. I'm just saying that we got to focus in 2017 on some things that's been out of focus. And that's focus and leaving the crowd and go after the one. And we need to have a diet of an evangelist. I'm not talking about a guy that comes in here with shiny shoes to collect a check. I'm talking about that burns for the lost that imparts that into the body. You with me? And the ones that we catch, like Eddie Milton, I'm amazed at the evangelist gift. I mean, Billy Graham preached the most simple message you've ever heard in your life. George Beverly Shea, surrender all. I mean, just... And you're thinking, they ain't nobody fitting to get out the stands. And they just start standing up, just coming by the thousand. And I mean, I'm thinking, I preach my guts out. I mean, I'm talking about veins popping out on my head, red face, lose my voice, and, and might win one every six weeks. I'm like, that's, that's the anointing. You understand, it's not what he's preaching. That's the anointing upon his life and the presence of God upon him and the gift of God at work. Reaping the, I mean, he's just, he's got a sickle in his hand. Where I've been given a hammer, he was given a sickle. But where someone like my gifting would come in is to establish them after he's won them. That's where we need the teaching gift too at work in the body of Christ. Come on. Teachers are Kenneth Copeland, Charles Stanley, that's five-fold teachers. What do they do? They ground us into the truth. That's because, listen, if all you got is just, all you, I'm, I'm, and I, there ain't nobody love Pentecostal more than me. If all you got is that right there, listen, when the storm comes, that'll blow you right down. Huh? But like she was singing, steadfast in my word, this is what'll take you through the storms. When you know that that's just not word written on a page, but it's real, and you've digested it, it's in your life. That's what takes you through the storm, what you've been grounded in. 
And then the prophet comes in and calls us to another level. And it's like, oh my God, I, I can't believe he said that about me. That's not God saying that's where you're at. God's saying, hey, I'm throwing you a lifeline out. This is how I see you and I want to bring you up to where I'm at. And then the cycle will repeat itself. And then, you know what? We'll get bruises along the way. We'll get hurt. We're in here trying to learn. We're army also. And sometimes in an army, you get friendly fire. We shoot one another. Does it, you, so we need the work of the pastor. He binds up the brokenhearted and heals them. According to Isaiah 58, right? And then there comes the apostolic. Sends them out to go build, rebuild the old waste places. God wants to bring you out, set you free, that you can go back in and get those ones that's still in there. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray.